0: Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. Look, the concept of micro-segmentation in the WAN and the data center in the cloud space has been a hot topic for quite a long time. And we've been talking a lot about overlay networks in all parts of modern networking, whether it's the WAN, the data center, the cloud, the campus, especially from the perspective of a router replacement and a network replacement. But in today's sponsored show with Tempered Networks, we're diving into an alternate vision of the overlay network that doesn't only replace routers at the edge of the network, but actually extends into side of laptops and smartphones and perhaps more intriguingly, industrial networks. Now, in my view, industrial networks are kind of an untapped source of new networking that we haven't gotten into. There's this massive growth in sensors on machines and factories and mines and 5G towers and so forth. And Like networking, all of these uh, sensors, all of this equipment is sending data back to some software somewhere around. And the networking that goes on is radically different. Uh, Today, most industrial systems are using SCADA networking. They don't have IP protocols. And a lot of them run really important things like water treatment plants or electricity power grids. And security is really important. But you've also got an industrial plant that was deployed 50 years ago and it's still got decades of life left in it. It's a real massive problem for technology. And they, you might be in a factory which has got zero downtime. Like if you're manufacturing medical goods, your factory only gets one day a year where it's actually not in production. Now, tempered Networks has a solution that can address this overlay uh system, this this need for overlay networking to anywhere, if you like. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you also need an identity-based policy, identity management. And what's possibly mo- uh, unique about the Airwall product, and I discovered this as I was researching for this show, is that Airwall is actually based on a thing called HIP, which is actually secure from the ground up and identity is built into it. It's not sort of like networking where everybody's assumed safe and we keep retrofitting something uh, the tempered network's uh, vision is actually secure right from the very, very get-go. And so this means that you end up with things like industrial systems with extensive requirements for remote access from lots of third parties because an industrial network has often got 20, 30, 40 suppliers. And you want a way to allow them to access the industrial network for maintenance, but also to control it in some way. And this same technology can even be used for on- or off-premise cloud. So whether you're in AWS, Azure, GCP, or in your own data center, tempered networks extends. And in principle, you can even connect smartphones directly to an, an industrial network, which I think is pretty cool. And hopefully, we'll get into that today. Well, that's enough for the layout for this. Joining us for the discussion is Jeff Husey and Brian Skeen. Now that we've laid out a vision for this product, and it's not SD WAN, but it's an overlay networking strategy, but a SD WAN is a good frame of reference. Tell me, what is Tempered IO and AirWall?
1: Tempered Networks and the AirWall is a new way of doing networking, where unlike the traditional notion of network security where you initially build the network and then you secure it after the fact we build a secure network that's native zero trust from the very beginning so the airwall as mentioned is based on a new technology called the host identity protocol which fixes the fundamental and fatal flaw in TCP/IP that uses the ip address as both locator and identifier what the airwall does is separate those two functions and uses the existing underlay network with the IP addresses as locator. But all policy, all security is based on trust between unique cryptographic identities that are applied at various points in the network. So the Airwall is an overlay network that connects any device. It's whether that device is a physical device sitting in a plant a server located on-prem or in a data center or in the cloud or a laptop that are accessing any of those loads from Starbucks or wherever a remote worker might be at the time.
0: Right, so, so a lot of the things about overlay networks is that people are often buying a hardware device and replacing a router. Whereas Airwall is much more of a, it's like, an, like a remote access solution whether your v- ipsat client is in a router or is an app on a phone or whether it's a agent that runs in a Kubernetes instance, these are all just endpoints in an Airwall deployment.
1: Correct. So one of the ways we describe the Airwall is as a zero-trust software-defined perimeter. Mm-hmm. And the thing about networks nowadays is that, especially as the workforce has become massively distributed over the last year, the perimeter no longer exists. The edge of the network is a very diffuse and vague concept. So the air wall allows people who do networking to push their security policy all the way to the device. Unlike traditional VPN constructs or SD-WAN, as you mentioned, where there's typically a drop-off point, mm. our software goes all the way to the device itself. Now, in the case of industrial networks where we can't put software on the endpoint, we have a line of appliances there that serve as gateways to the airwall that can protect devices where we can't put software.
0: So this is the part where it sort of looks like SD-WAN. I can go and get a box which has an airwall edge code on it, and I could make airwall run like an SD-WAN. But really, I can also put the airwall agent on my smartphone and then connect to the overlay and still have all of the identity, that is the login and authentication, And zero trust, you know, what basically boils down to zero trust as well. I don't have to suddenly change something. I mean, that's the fundamental idea here behind HIP is that airwall is everywhere. I
1: couldn't have said it better.
0: The other thing that we want to take out about airwall is this idea of micro segmentation is also built in. So, why don't you just lead me into that? Because I think micro segmentation is one of the hot, hot topics of 2021 and security and escalation and all that.
1: So, micro segmentation is one of the fundamental attributes that you get with an airwall net, an airwall based network. And that is consistent with zero, true zero trust approach. The airwall out of the box is a default all deny device. You, all policy has to be specifically provisioned between unique devices. Otherwise communication can't occur. And so the process of building a network is the process of doing micro segmentation, saying what device talks to what other groups of devices or what other networks within the the overall airwall scheme. So a device can be a member of multiple overlays This is best exampled in a building application, for instance, since we're discussing industrial networks. We have customers who have dozens and dozens of buildings, all of which are accessed by dozens and dozens of remote vendors. And where the airwall is deployed, these vendors are all individually micro-segmented.
2: Yeah, so I just want to tag on a little bit to what Jeff is saying there, because when you're asking about microsegmentation all the way to the device level being unique. And I think of it as traditional um, security policies and communication policies have been specified network to network. And the mm-hmm. thing that's fundamentally different when we use HIP is that identity. And the whole point is that we're using a protocol that almost forces us to get beyond the networking details and get down to what the things are. So in the airwall, all the policies are device to device under the hood.
0: Uh, One of the things that we wanted to talk about was this idea of giving remote access to just a specific part of the network. So let's say you had a network and there was a HVAC system on your network and you had, say, three different suppliers doing HVAC in different regions. Maybe you had one in America, one in Europe, and one in Asia connecting to your HVAC. You could actually give each one of those three companies access to specific HVAC systems in the network and then control what they access to just that, even though they're all connected to the same overlay. Is that, am I understanding that
2: right? That's absolutely correct. I mean, there's like two layers. It's a bit of a, you know, we're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but there's connectivity over the WAN through these Mm -hmm. tunnels through that we build with HIP. And then there's connections between devices. There's policy Uh, enforced between specific endpoints. So it's almost like there's two layers of policies going on there. So Mm -hmm. vendors in Asia could get to the HVAC systems that they control on a, say in one building, they want to access, they need to access something. That building is somewhere, right? And say Mm -hmm. you have a different company in Europe that is a vendor for another component inside that same building, maybe on the same network, but With the overlay networking and those two layers of policy control, then you can be sure that the the vendor from Asia can get to just the things that you want to allow them to within that network. The European vendor can get to just the things within the network. It's not like a VPN where it drops you off at the edge.
0: You've actually got this, as far as I can understand. so, So I can actually have a situation where everybody's connected to the same network. And then I can actually say... This particular group of endpoints, which is HVAC supplier one, can see these HVAC devices over there and just those, but they're all connected to the same network. So I have the same visibility tools, the same authentication management, the same identity management, or for a whole global network, but I can still handle it all regionally.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because really what we're talking about is two separate networks that are layered on top of each other. There's a, We call it, the underlay network is the existing network that you just think of the big network, um, you know, switches and routers and firewalls and existing equipment, all of that's there. And we build an overlay network that is on top of all of the existing network that doesn't just extend to the edge of that building, for example, but goes all the way to the device. And that's really the point. That overlay network carries that traffic inside of encrypted tunnels all the way to that device. and Mm. Traffic that's destined for that device can only be decrypted if it comes from an authorized
0: source. So two things I want to ask about this to either of you. One is, obviously, there's a centralized software controller here because all of these agents must be talking to a central controller system of some port. And then the second thing I want to talk about is encryption. So let's start with the controller. How does the controller or the software configuration of all these agents work? Where does the controller go? How do I instantiate it? Who hosts it? Where does it run?
2: It's a single tenant thing. So um, you can we basically think of it as I could give you a box and you could deploy that inside of an air gap network as long as all of the airwall endpoints can get to that on the network, then they can form the control plane connection. And that's mm-hmm. where they get all their policies. So you could put that same box, if you will. I could give mm-hmm. you a virtual and you could put that in VMware, right? I could give you uh a the virtual bits and you could deploy them in the cloud of your choice. You can go into Amazon, Azure, Google, Alibaba, all of that. We've got conductors running in the public cloud and private cloud or even physical and deployed in data centers. The Airwall is a software
1: defined network where there's orchestration that manages the control plane and then a separate data plane. And so our orchestration engine is called the conductor and that conductor can reside anywhere as long as all the endpoints on the network have access to it. Right. That access is only required for policy changes. It's not, the conductor is not part of the data plane. And so when there's a change that's made to the network, that change is pushed to whatever endpoints are affected by it. And networking just continues from there.
0: Okay, but there's two things there. One is it can be on the public network if that's where you're deploying everything and it can work in air gap situations. So it's not like it's a pure cloud hosted. Like if you have an air gap requirement and you add, want to add segmentation, I can put this behind the air gap and run it securely and safely and maintain the air wall SDN controller, if you like, like that.
1: I want to- That is correct. Add- and that's a really important point of distinction. I mean, we often joke about the fallacy of, buying a zero trust solution from a SaaS vendor. I mean, in some cases, it's appropriate, but in other cases, it's wildly inappropriate because it presupposes that you trust the SaaS vendor and no one else. And, you know, recent headlines um, suggest altogether different reality.
0: Now, one of the things I want to ask you here, you've probably learned this the hard way because you've been doing this for, I think, going on 10 years. This Airwall product, you're not a startup. You've been doing this for a long time. So probably this is a reaction to what customers actually want.
1: Certain customers want to keep their networks entirely air-gapped. Right. And we give them the ability to do that. Other customers, especially in the last several years, these air gap networks, have the traditional air-gaps have been eroded to the point of non-existence as digital transformation and, and so forth, remote work and other requirements have eroded them to the point of being ineffective or non-existent. What our customers can do then is with the air wall and the orchestration engine, the conductor, they can restore that air gap by building an overlay that no threat can see. And it looks like a completely air-gapped network from the outside.
0: I was watching a, a demo and you were talking about a customer was doing a pen test. And they failed it the first time around because the pen tester was able to get through the firewall and do some stuff. And then the second time around, they deployed airwall and the pen tester couldn't find anything to attack.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, that's a funny story, but it's entirely true where um, the pen tester actually called the customer and said, please turn on the firewall so we can begin the test. And the customer was able to say, well, the thing's been on for the entire time. I guess we passed. It's kind of funny.
0: So what's the key to that? Because there's something unique about the way you use host identity protocol that makes it really hard to detect, right?
2: On the outside of the airwall, each of the airwall endpoints, we can lock those down so that the only thing that they can allow in is basically UDP on one port. And that's Mm -hmm. it. So if you start trying to ping the devices that you think you should be able to find on the network, you've got nothing. Um, if you try to access common services on a firewall or anything like that, you're not going to find anything because we, it's completely locked down. The only thing, the only traffic that the airwall is going to accept is inbound hip tunnel traffic and it'll it's all UDP in one port or return traffic from the control plane where it's reaching out, mm. contacting the orchestrator, getting its policies.
3: That's it.
0: Yeah, and HIP is kind mm-hmm. of fun because I spent a lot of time reading the HIP protocol back in the day. I must have been really hating myself back then. But uh, <laughs> the actual you, crypto wait, you, re- you
2: read the RFCs for fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. Di- I did. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, even now I still do <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, but the key, I think, one of the things that I remember from that reading is that the key part of the crypto is actually contained in the IP header. It's not like There's actually a negotiation. A key part of all of this is actually contained in the in the IP header itself. And the way that HIP works is it jumps in at layer three point five of the model. I don't think we'll get time today to talk about how HIP works in detail, but it's quite unique in that you literally only need like a couple of packets to establish a crypto tunnel and to start exchanging encrypted traffic.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of the beauty of HIP. That um, you know, one of it's funny. Everybody wants to talk about encryption algorithms and math. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're using standard encryption algorithms. We didn't write our own. If we did, you should run. Uh, (laughs) We're we're using things that are tried and true. And Mm -hmm. we're using the strongest encryption we can get. Um, It's part of the HIP protocol. And um, the cool thing about HIP, I think, is also in the simplicity of that handshake, there's a four-way handshake. You know, I send you something, you send me something back, I send you something back. You send me a fourth packet. And I mean, that's just one more than TCP, right? So, (laughs) and then we're off and we're running. And the only way that that's going to work is if policies have been pre-distributed. I mean, that's what makes it really simple is that the policy orchestration in the control plane, spreading the policies around, spreading the host identity tags around so that each of the uh, airwall endpoints can talk very elegantly, very simply, and form these tunnels with each other. And one of the aspects of that simplicity is that it can be implemented without a lot of bugs.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Product quality claim. All right. All well, right. network you, you... Network
2: stack is less complex means network stack has less attack vectors.
0: Right. That's a big claim. That's not often we get a vendor on the show that's willing to say our product is simpler and therefore less bugs. So... I guess people would have to evaluate for themselves, but you can hold them to that, I guess. Um, I guess the other thing I wanted to ask is a lot of us are taught as networking professionals that IPsec is the only way forward and things like DMVPN or point-to-point IPsec or point-to-multipoint, and that involves all these key exchanges and there's multiple. You've got to establish the initial, the two phase and all that sort of stuff. There's none of that here, right? This is really just four packets, backwards and forwards, all done.
2: Correct. So we don't, we, you know, a lot of the complexity, <laughs> so what you're, I think part of what you're talking about is internet key exchange protocols mm-hmm. and and certificate management complexity and the well-known challenges, the complexity of managing it, and then attack vectors on that. And it exposes lots of information. The domain names and IP addresses are exposed in, the, in that. Um, and you have to end up trusting, uh, it, you know, that your protocol can, you know, that, that whatever. So you you just see a lot of stuff going back and forth and a lot of complexity. So with the host identity protocol, when the way we've orchestrated the policies is just simple.
0: Hmm. So the protocol is simple, but the SDN, the centralized policy management is the key part here because it simplifies the application. You said tags before. Now I've seen a demo of the product and Literally tags is baked into the whole metaphor around how it works. You literally tag each identity and the identity can be linked to the device or can be linked to the person. Is that, am I getting that right?
2: Completely. So, I mean, first of all, all of our policies are device to device. I mentioned that, but they're really group to group. Everything is abstracted and it's group to group. And what the tags do, the tags can go on any asset in the entire system. And then we have this mechanism called, we call it smart device groups, which will pull things based on rules that can include these tags into the groups. Think of like a playlist. You no. say, I like jazz, whatever. And then, so all this jazz shows up in your folder and you can now turn that on and, and play that. So it's it's kind of like that in our orchestrator. And the, the reason that that's so important with these tags is because people think of things more than they think of policy or code or algorithms. So you can identify this as a camera, this is a laptop, this is a server, this is a thing. Um, And if we're talking about SCADA networks, those things are not super dynamic and changing all the time. (laughs) This is a pump, (laughs) like you said, 50 years.
0: (laughs) Well, I think there's a couple of things in there that I want to ask about. One is I can actually start to classify devices and add a tag to them and then manage them as a tag. So I know... Uh, in SCADA, for example, a lot of things have fixed MAC addresses because the vendors have go back to the days of having static MAC addresses and things like that. I could literally identify a device by uh, a SCADA ID or a MAC address that's been given or some other feature and then tag it inside of Airwall. Is that right? Uh,
2: yes, you can do that. I mean, it's also easy to spoof a MAC address. You know, the prefix of a MAC address tells you something about the manufacturer, but you know anybody can put what they want on the wire. So, uh, but with the airwall or with the the conductor, the orchestrator, it will recognize all those things and give you a starting point. And it's not just asset identification. It's also you can you can label things as good or bad. You know you can label things for quarantine. You can label things for um, specific kinds of network access
0: policies. and so when printers you do go that, into the into a segment where they're restricted. Yep. What about sideways movement? Can I do things like, I want everybody to be able to print to this printer, but I don't want the printer to be able to reach to anybody else. So nothing should come from the printer type thing.
2: Exactly. So you can basically say, I I want everybody to be able to get to this this device, but that device doesn't have policy to get back out to everything else.
0: Mm. Because we've seen people compromise printers. And actually, in industrial Uh, networks, it's a pretty good vector to take over a printer, which is a computer these days, and then start to go lateral inside of an industrial. I want to ask a question, a clarifying question around where does the Airwall agent run? Does it run on, we talked about it running on devices before, but does it just run on everything else? Like for this to work, there must be some code that runs, what, on smartphones or or what?
2: Exactly. So we support iOS and Android. We run basically a VPN application on the phone. Uh, We have an SDK in development that is not released, but you could develop a native app like that. But it has the control plane and the data plane components in it, and it allows your phone to get Layer 3 access through the overlay policies to anything. And when you look in the orchestrator, you know, your phone or your laptop, you know, on a Mac or Windows, we support Linux, various flavors of Windows and Linux. Uh, You can run our agent and it shows up as an airwall endpoint. It's like a soft, you know, airwall endpoint running on that one device. So the devices are orchestrated after you get the airwall endpoint set up on the agent uh, or on on the laptop or the phone or the server or the workload, whatever it is. And then you don't really have to worry about that part when you're dealing with your connectivity and security policies.
0: What about public cloud? So I'm thinking of an enterprise which is building an app and they've got all of these edges out there and now they're starting to say, well, I want to build an app, but I want to have a secure network connectivity. I want to deliver my business as a service, right? So maybe your job is to maintain some sort of factory machine and you want to monitor the sensors. But what you want to do is build an app in the cloud to collect all that data and charge customers for it. Am I able to use Airwall to a, well, we've already talked about it, the agents would be there, whether it's a hardware device or using some sort of VM to connect to the, to the industrial device. But can I use it in the clouds as well?
2: Yeah, of course. So you actually have two choices. So if you want, you could put the agent on your servers in the cloud. You could just run it directly on those workloads. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option is gateway. So we have a soft gateway that can sit right near VPC. And it can be the go between be t- the on-ramp and the off-ramp into the overlay network for everything in the VPC.
0: So that's like a, an NSX agent or a Kubernetes um, that you install into the networking stack, like onto the eBPF, so that I can actually just talk straight to the airwall overlay in from the cloud to wherever in the world.
2: Right. So you can that- you, you actually run... The gateway is, like, is running as its own... Thing. It's its own VM or its own workload in that cloud. So it's sitting there running in your VPC and uh, we manipulate the networking in the cloud so that the device traffic, the protected workloads in that VPC can gain access to the overlay through that gateway.
3: So architecturally, that feels like it's like a firewall um, that would have a VPN tunnel terminating on it. It's the gateway to a bunch of stuff hiding behind that firewall has to flow through that firewall, jump into the VPN tunnel to get where it's going and egress out the other side, except that what you guys are doing is far more uh, complex with the identity and so on.
2: Well, the ex- yeah, so you're, you're tracking this really well. Um, it is like a firewall in that sense, except we have that added layer of policies to get to the specific devices or workloads. Yeah. Um the cloud presents some problems. Of course there's, you know, proprietary SDN going on. You can't you don't have physical wires or you know, you don't control all the rules for the SDN of the cloud. So you you can't um you know, it, it becomes a challenge to deal with things like east-west between workloads yeah. to force their traffic through your enforcement point. Um, but as far as north-south, in and out of the, the VPC.
3: Yeah. yeah, in and out of the VPC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. East-west, you'd have to have an agent on those workloads specifically to pull that
2: Precisely. off. Precisely. Yeah. So in that case, you're worried about east-west or between the different workloads in that VPC, agent directly on the
0: workloads. So you choose the mode of deployment. You've got you can either have a gateway, which is like a VPN concentrator conceptually. If there's a point where the HIP network comes to, or you can actually go right the way to the server at the edge in a VM or even the container level, and put the HIP node right out there. Exactly. All right. What about a lot of the internet today runs through NAT or double NAT or NAT NAT NAT, NAT on NAT. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> or natty NAT 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 NAT. NAT does it does it actually work through natty
2: McNat face
0: <laughs> <laughs> get the idea
2: uh, does yeah. it work?
0: I like Ipsec is kind of struggles with some of that, so i'm it's sort of in the back of my mind. Does it work?
2: Does it work? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, we don't struggle with that at all. I mean, we used to years and years ago we had we had challenges with double nat you had to have one side at least visible from the other side. What we did was it was kind of a clever and elegant little solution. We took one of the airwalls and we gave it a new kind of policy and gave it, we we allowed it based on policy to NAT, to be a, a rendezvous server between any of the other airwall endpoints. And so those relay policies are also built into the orchestrator. What you say is this group of stuff is allowed to talk to this other group of stuff through any of these particular relays in this group. And then the whole the data plane basically just works out the fastest path through the available relays and it fails over between the relays, your connections. Um, you might miss like a ping. if If a relay gets unplugged and you have to jump through a different intermediate mm-hmm. relay, you won't miss
3: much. Yeah, the that's, it, the NAT's not the ahead. problem, Brian, right? It's just being able to keep track of where where the endpoint is behind a particular NAT gateway. Because HIP doesn't care about IP. It's not married to IP as such, right? Isn't that part of the promise here, uh, full mobility?
2: Well, okay, let's be real. Um, <laughs> we're writing over an IP network. <laughs> no matter what we say, no matter what anybody says about their product, there's still some IP networking challenges and physics problems that have to be dealt with. And so, yes, the natting is a problem. It's just that we could solve it very easily and securely and based on policies Mm -hmm. and, you know, direct secure encrypted tunnels. We could build this solution so that it's very seamless and our customers, which are not networking experts, really, I, I can't emphasize this enough, even networking experts around the world are not networking. experts, And I am not a network. Nobody's a networking expert. There's just too much stuff moving around to con- that you don't control, right? So you need something to help you do that. This is just a really elegant way to do rendezvous that you know we find the essentially the fastest, shortest available path all the time between the different airwall endpoints. So the relay that we build can't decrypt anything. It doesn't decrypt it. That's really maybe another thing I should mention is that it doesn't have the keys to decrypt the traffic that it's relaying on behalf of the other airwalls. And it itself can be an airwall endpoint for devices. So let me just put it out there. All the airwall gateways have the relay capability and the gateway capability at the same time. And when they're doing relay, they don't have enough information to decrypt anything. And all they have to do is tweak the outer UDP packet source and dest, And mm-hmm. they learn the that left. because the, yeah. Yeah, the, air wall, the other airwall endpoints that want to use relays, they're trying to reach each other through the re- directly yeah. and through the relays. So what's happening is the relays are constantly learning what their public-facing NAT an added IP address right. is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm listening to this and I'm thinking of all the SD-WAN solutions out there that use TLS or SSL or some sort of IPSEC or DMVPN. And they're all saddled with the limitations of those protocols. Now, whether they're using BGP as a control plane protocol, you know, it's pretty cheap. Anybody can actually build an SD-WAN solution with off-the-shelf technology, by the way. You can go and get Linux and WireGuard and get some BGP to do some signaling. But you end up with a solution that... Looks a lot like some SD WAN solutions. Pretty limited. The crypto is kind of point to pointy, and they do all these nasty hacks to run flows between. But your use of HIP is unique and actually supports all of these weird configurations as native,
2: right? Yes, exactly. Because we're we're able to do this at layer three. We don't have to worry about ports and reconnect. in HIP is super easy, super fast.
0: Comes back to this four packet negotiation. You don't. When you tear down a tunnel, you can set it up pretty quick. Yep. So Jeff, one of the things I want to ask about here is with an overlay solution, a key part of the challenge or car- is the operational side and getting visibility. We've talked about the airwall conductor, which is, of course, the controller, which has all the visibility into and it's run by... It's an appropriate graphical interface, but this is a podcast can't talk about any of that, right? So what about visibility? If I want to see what's happening in the network, what have I got?
1: Well, the airwall... Orchestration engine, the conductor, gives you visibility to the overlay networks. But some customers still need to have visibility to all the other aspects of their network. And we fully support that. We recently just announced a a partnership and and technical integration with Nozomi Networks, who has a very sophisticated visibility suite set of tools that are used um, in industrial networks. And we can actually mirror that traffic and send it wherever they need it to go, as well as do remediation based upon threats that they might uncover or discover um, on their own
3: Jeff, does that mean I'm able to crack are you basically cracking into the tunnel for me showing me what's happening after the traffic's been decrypted?
2: what we're doing is giving you the packets before they enter the tunnel before that they've been encrypted and we're carrying that Traffic in the clear
3: out to any other air wall endpoint.
0: Well, the traffic's not in the clear; it's traveling over the encrypted HIP connection.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The point is, I've got a tool now that that gives me visibility into what's going on inside my tempered networks uh, overlay, so that I can do the troubleshooting and stuff that I need to at that application level. I'm not blind now just because I encrypted everything endpoint to endpoint.
2: No, exactly. Well, so you can Wireshark. I, like you can hook up Wireshark to the other end and receive the mirrored traffic and just watch it show up on your laptop. And that traffic might be coming from a network deep behind lots of security, per, lots of perimeter security through NATs that you don't know anything about. It can be anywhere, anywhere deep.
0: Through carrier-grade NATs or other people's firewalls or whatever, home connections. But you can, as long as the agent is connected and authenticated And inside of the network, you can capture that packet and do something with it to make decisions.
2: So like Nozomi in particular, one of the also the compelling things is that, you know, they want to take traffic off of a spam port off of a switch, right? So they Mm. need to get that traffic from that switch to the Nozomi. And sometimes that has implications where they put the Nozomi and implications on which traffic they can get to that Nozomi. They have to consider that. With the Mm. Airwall, they can basically remote the Nozomi or hide it, protect it like a protected device deep behind the air wall. And now we can carry all of that traffic that they need from, you know, it could be hundreds of different mirrors, all feeding into a single guardian.
0: Right. And that's, so basically then as a security professional, I can just say, I want traffic from that point, send it to this and start to get reports and visibility into the, into threat analysis and threat detection.
2: And you didn't even need to understand how to build all of those encrypted, secure tunnels to get that data there in the first place. That's maybe even like, we're not <laughs> emphasizing enough how easy, it's point, it's click. You just say, here's my Nozomi Guardian, it's a device, and I want to, you know, create a source here and a destination here for the mirror, and it send it to the Nazomi. You do that in our user interface, and now you can move things around, and the IP addresses don't matter anymore.
0: So one of the things that you listed on your website is cruise liners. You actually have a solution for cruise liners. So I could literally use this to capture packets from a cruise liner in the middle of the ocean and send it for threat analysis.
2: Yeah, a cruise liner is like a huge building, like a skyscraper, tilted on its side and moving around. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like going everywhere and who knows what the IP addresses are going to be and what the, you know, how are you going to make a security policy when all of that stuff's changing, you need identity-defined networking, which of course HIP gives you. Uh, with the relay that we talked about before, that's what—that's really the magic that simplifies that networking. It's the combination of HIP and the relay and the orchestration.
0: And you said it's a building basically on its side, which leads me into a discussion around intelligent buildings because we're seeing a lot of this—a uh, lot of real estate owners, like people who own buildings are looking for ways to be smarter about the weather. They they don't want to just turn the air conditioning on and run it 24-7 like they used to. They want to be able to turn it off and save electricity because they're paying for it quite often. People who are renting are asking for new conditions. Are you able to play in that space? Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: I mean, what's going on is they've got old HVAC sitting on the roof and they can't run around and replace it all with smart HVAC. What they've been doing is retrofitting. There's there's a lot of um, effort going into retrofitting HVAC and allowing it to talk to something like the cloud mm. and then maybe some machine learning is happening. And then some commands are being sent actually back down to that HVAC system to control when to turn it on and off. right? And so that's bi-directional. So sometimes you have data flowing from the building up north into the cloud Sometimes you have commands coming down from the cloud, giving it say a profile of when to turn on and off. And so that you need a solution that can go both directions. And I think we've talked a little bit about how no. technicians can get into the specific items on a on a network. It's the same thing. Your your intelligent um you know, brain in the cloud can now come down and reach in and but it's not talk just to HVAC, the HVAC. it's
0: power systems, power lighting. It's plumbing. A lot of the plumbing is getting smarter and having sensors on it. Like just getting water and toilets and stuff in those buildings is a non-trivial effort, right? Uh, Doors and security, who's going in and out the doors, all that sort of... There's so much going on in a modern building. And a lot of that's being put back on the building owner. So the idea of an intelligent building is changing from what it was 10 years ago to where it is going to be in the future.
2: I mean, I'm sure you guys have a podcast or two on all of the attack vectors through all of those systems into <laughs> all of the other parts of the building, you know, turning on and off lights to flushing toilets to attacking my, uh, you know, the, the residents of the building. Um,
0: there's so. an interesting, there's an interesting, just struck me as we were talking, I don't need firewalls for all this because if the identity based networking is actually catching the packets at the edge of that network. Now, whether that's on a PC or on a device in front of a cluster of nodes, I don't actually need a firewall in any of this because it strikes me that the airwall agents are firewalls in their own right. One Only one port is open for access and that only responds if a specific packet is received.
1: That's, that's correct. And one of the things that bears um, discussion here is that, ease of use or ease of deployment in that type of environment. In fact, we recently announced a partnership with a company called Intelligent Buildings, who serve um, a variety of different, typically commercial real estate concerns. And they recently did a deployment of the air wall in 40 different buildings that were part of a, a REIT, as I believe it. Mm-hmm, yep. And the policies for remote access were consistent across all of those buildings. And so the technician who did the deployment said, I deployed 40 buildings and other than opening the box and plugged it in, I spent no more than five minutes in each one of those buildings.
0: So no firewalls, just some bandwidth connected to devices with the agent on them, those devices are secure. So all of a sudden you're not having to license umpteen firewalls and then physically operate them and power them as well.
1: That's correct. And this is still giving very granular, micro-segmented access to at least 12 discrete systems in each one of those buildings.
0: Like when you say it like that, it's extraordinary. The idea that, you know, you could carve up those 40 buildings in a single well, a, a REIT is an ownership vehicle. They own 40 high-rise buildings in capital cities, or whatever. And so there's one logical owner who's trying to minimize the costs. And that idea that you could just have one po- one centralized policy for all 40 buildings, regardless of who's doing the work, just boggles my mind in a way. I don't have to manage each building separately or treat each supplier separately. It's just all centrally managed.
1: That's the airwall.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. We're starting to run out of time here. I hope that you in the audience are as intrigued by this product as I am. I've as we've been scratching away at this and Ethan's been nodding his head, he's actually here uh, <laughs> and talking through this product. It's actually an intriguing way to think about where VPNs might've gone if we had have gone down a slightly different route. And if you want to know more about anything here, uh, Jeff, what where can people before we kick it out, is there sort of like a final summary that you want to offer people?
1: Yes. Think of the Airwall as a new networking solution. There are three components, We call them edge services, the relay and the
0: orchestration engine.
1: You need an orchestrator, you may or may not need a relay and you need the edge services. Depending upon your particular infrastructure, whether that includes mobile or physical devices or cloud or virtual devices, we have software that can run at the all of those places in the so called edge very simply. And we have a very equally simple way for you to just try it out um, on our website. We have a free version of the Airwall, call it Airwall Teams. Five minutes, you can set up a network of Minecraft servers or um, remote desktop um, access for those people who, you know, like me, do tech support for their mom. And... You can get a flavor for the flexibility and ease of use of the overwall Airwall with the Airwall Teams product.
0: I just before we close out, I want to I saw a demo uh, on this where one person took their smartphone and sent files to another smartphone over this network in about five minutes flat from start to finish. They literally installed an agent on each phone and they were streaming between mobile phone networks with nothing in the middle except using this technology as a private encrypted overlay. And you can actually do that within Teams. And if you want more information, the website is tempered.io, that's T-E-M-P-E-R-D, exactly as it sounds, tempered.io, You can find them, they've got YouTube videos, you can find them on the blog. And remember, if you want more information, you can go to temperio slash packet pushes. There's a special landing page just for Packet Pushes audience members, where there's a lot of information there that you can get access directly to follow on from the topics that we've raised here. And as Jeff said, there's a free Airwall team sign up where you can go and, well, play with it and make up your own mind. Uh, If you want more information about HIP, which is quite an amazing protocol, uh, the Tempered Network's website also has more information on that, uh, lots of information to sort of make your brain stretch away from what you learned about IPSTEC and start thinking about if we could have done it smarter, maybe this is what it would have looked like. As always, it's been fantastic to have a, you with us here today on the Pack of Pushes Network. And there are many more fine free technical podcasts and our community website at packetpushes.net. You can follow us on social media as at Packet Pushes. Find us on our LinkedIn and like us on Facebook and rate us on Apple Podcasts because that helps us to keep coming back every week. Thanks very much to our sponsor today, Tempered Networks, for taking the time to talk to us and give us, uh, and their financial support is what keeps us going. And last but never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.